0: Thank you Lord, thank you, thank you Zoe, just a second here, I always feel like Clark Kent, not quite like Superman, but someday, <laughs> hey. it's good to be back here, it's an honor to be back here, and um. I love you guys, and I always like coming, and, and just to be asked, uh, sometimes I'm surprised as Lord, they actually trust me, <laughs> sometimes, but uh, you know, I was at in the States a lot this year, and um, I was meeting cousins I hadn't met in decades, and one day we were all sitting around the table and some friends, and um, sometimes I just spout something off the top of my head I don't know why I do that sometimes it's embarrassing I often tell my wife what comes out of my mouth is news to me <laughs> she, she always tries to tell me now behave yourself you know I'm trying I'm trying I just can't help it but, but I was there and I, I was just saying you know I found the secret to a meaningful life and they all just looked at me and said well, well wh- what, what is that you want to know what a secret to a meaningful life is? I told them, be awesome every day. That's a secret to a meaningful life. <laughs> be awesome every day. Well, well, they just kind of laughed and thought, you're some kind of nutter. And then uh, about a week later, it became a kind of a family joke, you know. Every time we'd say hello or goodbye, it was be awesome every day. <laughs> so... I started looking up about a week later. I was wondering, I wonder if there's anything in the Bible about this awesome thing, you know. And I started looking, and it's all over through the Bible, to be awesome every day. You know, there's verses like, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I, I, I mean, that's mind-boggling, really. Um, imitate God, Ephesians 5.1. Therefore in everything you do, because you are his children. But he's telling us to imitate God. I mean, who's the most awesome being in this whole universe? And we're supposed to imitate him? We're supposed to be perfect like he is perfect. First John four seventeen, in this world, we are like Jesus. Do you feel like you are Jesus in this world? We are called to be awesome every day. You know, 1 Peter 1.15. But just as he who called you is holy. And sometimes I don't know if we really get our head around this word. So be holy in all you do. In everything you do. Be holy. For it is written, be holy because I, the living God, because I am Holy. Now, to me, that, that's a shocker. Be like God. Be perfect like God is perfect. Imitate God in everything you do. Be like Jesus. Be holy as God is holy. God is awesome. And it appears he's called us to be awesome too in this world. And he said in everything you do, that sounds like be awesome every day. And I find it interesting that nobody laughed when God said it. (laughs) Something to think about. I mean, that that is a standard. We we just think we can't reach that, and we just write it off. But maybe God is saying, I created you in my image for a purpose, and this is it. Be awesome. In the year... I know you've even probably even talked about this verse. I'm sure you heard many sermons on it, but I'd like to unpack it this morning a bit more. Isaiah chapter 6. He was prophesying for five chapters before this. And then he says, I'm talking about holiness this morning, you know. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I used to wonder what a train was, but it just means that long thing, you know. You'd know more about it since you're a monarchy people. (laughs) Uh, We we Americans kind of gave that a miss back in 1776, I think. (laughs) And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. But the thing is about this, and I think we often miss it, is the way he began, the way the way Isaiah began this, this story he's telling. He, Isaiah went into the temple, and he had this experience, and now he's writing it down. But it's interesting that he said, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, he is the only prophet in all the Bible who begins his prophecy with the death of a king. All the others would begin or talk about it in the sixth year of this reign or they would talk about a king who is alive but nobody introduces their prophecy with the death of a king. I don't know if you ever paid attention to this but it is so important to understand what is going on here and what this holiness thing is about. In the year that King Uzziah died... Why would Isaiah do this? And it was because Uzziah was a king that the whole nation had put their hope in. It was the one through all their problems. They looked to this one person, Uzziah, and, and they thought, you are a good king and, and you, you are the answer to what's going on here. He was like the, the nation's hope. He was the celebrity king. He started a revival and cleaned out all the idols in the land, and he was going to protect the nation from foreign invaders. He was like the Lion King, you know, in Disney. Well, give that a miss. (laughs) But you could almost hear the chants. Chance from the crowds you know when Uzziah walked the streets they would be going Uzziah 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 you know hell Uzziah our king who's going to help us and free us and do these great things if it was a democracy he would be elected as prime minister if he was if he was in America he would have been elected as the president he was a celebrity king there was hope in the darkness, and Israel thought Uzziah is the one who's going to save us and free us. But then he died. <laughs> Humans do that, you know. He just checked out in the middle of it all. And it was a sad and untimely death. I won't go into the whole history of it just because I don't have time. But he died of leprosy. You know that, that is a terrible disease. You know, um, in the Bible, it tells us how a leper is supposed to behave when, once you got the disease. In Leviticus 13.45 says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of their head hang loose, and they shall cover their upper lip, which he meant they have to wear a face mask. Just like we did during COVID. This is the way the leper was supposed to walk around. They weren't allowed to enter the temple. They couldn't give sacrifices. They couldn't do anything. They were an outcast to society. And it even goes on in Leviticus. that tells us, in which you know, when the leper went out in public, they had to announce that they were coming because they were contagious, so they thought. So they would have to go unclean, unclean unclean i am unclean i am unclean and everybody would clear away from them because they were lepers this is what happened to the celebrity king he walks the streets saying unclean unclean everywhere he went so isaiah begins his prophecy when king uzziah died so did the hope of the nation you with me so far And this is when the prophet Isaiah goes in the temple in chapter 6 to meet with God. He was already a prophet, so he must have been a good guy, a godly guy. He had already been prophesying in the first five chapters. And when Uzziah died, Isaiah needed to meet with God. He needed some equilibrium. He needed a godly perspective because things were looking quite grim, our hope has died. So, as he tells us what happened on that day in the temple, the year Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the point is about the seated on the throne. God could have revealed himself in so many ways to Isaiah. He could have revealed himself as a shepherd. He could have revealed himself as something else, you know, on his great chariot or something. But he reveals himself to Isaiah on a throne. He reveals himself as the monarch of heaven. He chose the throne. And what he was saying here at the very beginning is... I am not like the human celebrity king that you put all your hope in. Now look at the real king. And then he begins to show Isaiah what the real king looks like, what the real king is. And then in verse 3, it says the earth is full of his glory. His robe filled the temple. And when it says filled the temple, it wasn't just a vision. He was talking about the temple he was praying in. If this was a temple, it would be filling this place right now, almost visibly. And it would have been an awesome sight. I I don't know if I should tell you this story, but I will. (laughs) This is the part part where you have to trust me. I don't even know if I trust myself with this one, but I, I... I went to a meeting once, and and a person went up to the front and spoke, and they were were talking about a vision they had of God, and it was a, a great one. They said, I saw Jesus Christ, and he walked by, and the glory was upon him. And he had this train on his robe, you know, that just went on and on and on. And she was looking at it, thought it was beautiful. And then, then, and then she, we were all sitting in the seats thinking, this is really good. Where is this going, you know? And, and then she saw at the end of the robe, and she said, and then there was a label at the end of the robe, and it said, made in Japan. <laughs> I, I, I think we all just thought, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I'm just going to throw this out. It was funny. I was talking in a church in Glasgow a few weeks ago, and I I told them this story because it fit in with what I was talking about. And and at the end of the meeting, you know, I, I was saying how prophecy can go wrong. That's what I was saying. But the person at the end of the meeting says, "Really, Richard? I think you got it wrong because I think I understand what that was about." I, I but I never got a chance to find out what what she was saying. But maybe she thought the glory's going to fill Japan or something. I I don't know. That's just a, there you go. That's just a story I never forgot. <laughs> yeah, no, neither will you. I hope this isn't the one you remember at the end of the sermon because there's, there's better things coming. But uh, you know, God, God revealed himself to Isaiah on the throne, but he wasn't finished yet, and here's where the drama heightens. In verses 2 and 3, above him were the seraphim. Now, the seraphim are known as the flaming ones in places. You know, they're like um, the guardians of of maybe the guardians of God's holiness. I don't know exactly even whether they need that. But each of them had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his, full of his glory and and i just love the hebrew of it it was um it, because of the word it is so potent it's kadosh 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 yahweh zaviot the lord of hosts the lord almighty kadosh 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 can we say it together learn just this word cuz i think you just be cool. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Again, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. And this was a chant that was going on that God was showing Isaiah. And the word holiness, the Kadosh, is a heavy word because it incorporates so much meaning and there's so much depth to it, we can hardly understand it because basically it's describing everything that God is holy, holy, holy. It's, it's saying it's his otherness. There's nothing to compare God to. We have nothing at all to compare him to. He just is. He is the other outside. It, it describes the majesty, the character, his goodness, his purity, his perfection, his light, his glory, his power. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh is the Lord. Basically, that whole scene would have been awesome. <laughs> At the sound of their voices, the kadosh, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And it wasn't just the temple of his vision. It was a temple that Isaiah was in when he was hearing this. And it was so strong in this earthly temple that, that even the temple was shaking. God was given Isaiah perspective. I am not your mortal monarch <laughs> who is walking the streets saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. This is why he said in the year Uzziah died. And to say unclean is just another way of saying unholy, unholy, unholy. And this is the. The comparison, I think you begin to see it. The one on the throne, holy, holy, holy. And the earthly monarch, unclean, unholy, unholy. Kadosh, kadosh. And what God is saying to Isaiah is, look up. (laughs) Through it all, look up. Look up. Because this is where your real king is. This is where your hope lies. And you may have felt loss at Uzziah but look up and don't lose hope and don't forget who guards your life and don't forget who the real king is. Kadosh is a heavy word. It even sounds heavy. To me anyway, kadosh. I wish I had a deeper voice. Kadosh. But it was like a chant that was going on, you know, and that's, that's why the doorposts were shaking. It was a chant. and There was a rhythm to it, kadosh. Kadosh, Kadosh. And Isaiah felt it weighing down on him in the glory and in the temple. It was so heavy that this prophet of God, who was in full-time service for God, crumbles under the weight of it, crumbles under the weight of this whole vision and and the angels and the seraphim crying out holiness and the purity, power, character, the glory, the light, the holiness of God. And, And... and Isaiah just felt the weight of it. You ever been in the presence of the Lord? Sometimes I hear. Sometimes people use that word weight, like 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 it's really so heavy. And and, and really, if God was to reveal His holiness in fullness, we would be squashed on the floor. It's so heavy because we are unholy, or we're unholy. We'll get to that. But he crumbles under the weight. And Isaiah, what could he do? He cries out. And he just goes, whoa, whoa, whoa to me. I am ruined. I am totally beyond myself. I can't handle the weight of this. Holy, holy, holy. Everything was shaken. And he says, and then he compares himself to Uzziah the leper. And he says, I'm just like the king that died. He says, for I am a man of unclean lips, unclean, unclean. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And he's saying it's not just me, the prophet, but but all all of us are unholy. And the weight of holiness is coming down. and, And I can't bear it, and we can't bear it. As a human race, we won't be able to bear it because my eyes have seen my eyes have seen the king I've seen the real king the Lord Almighty and Kadosh holy is his name no earthly king could match him and he couldn't bear it Standing in the presence of God squeezed Isaiah it was smashing him as like a hand upon him and he he just couldn't handle it Interesting that Moses at one time in Exodus says, Lord, show me your glory. I don't know if Moses knew exactly what he was asking. (laughs) And God knew he didn't know what he was asking. So God said, Moses, I can't show you with your eyes my glory because if I did, you would die. When the holiness of God actually touches human flesh, that is unholy, we get crushed and we are gone. So that's why sometimes God keeps his distance or it seems like he's away, if that makes sense. But um, he said to Moses, you know, I, I can't show you my glory because you will die. But what I'll do is I'll put you in this little cave here, this cleft of the rock, and I will come by you And I won't let you see me with your eyes because you can't handle my holiness. But I will speak words because you can hear words. Then he declared what God declared his glory in words. But he couldn't see him like Isaiah was here. Have you ever been in a big factory or seen where there's just a big machine? Have you ever stood next to it? I mean, it's deafening. And it's like, and you feel everything shaking. This is the way it was in the temple with the kadosh. Can we just say a short prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, we pray because we need it at times, Lord, to get perspective. We just pray that you would bring your revelation And show us your glory in a way that we can handle it, Lord. We ask, we always ask for your presence, Father. And we were praying and singing today for more, for more, for more. And sometimes we don't know exactly what we're saying, Lord Jesus. But we know that we want more of you. And we don't want to be unclean and unholy. But we just ask, Father God. Open our eyes, Lord, if we want to see Jesus but we want a revelation of your holiness and what that means to us and what it means when you called us to be awesome. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, amen. You know, Isaiah chapter 6 is almost a picture of all humanity standing before a holy God. And the weight of God's holiness presses down from above. There are many words, and this might help you a bit too, it helps me. There are many words in the Bible that try to describe this holiness in human words because that's all we have are the human words. So we would use words where, where the holiness of God comes down and comes upon a city or something, and, and the city's gone or something like that, you know, like, like in judgment, and we say it's God's wrath. Nobody likes that verse. Nobody likes to talk about God's wrath because because it just doesn't fit with our theology of a nice God, (laughs) in a way. We don't like to hear about God's wrath or God's anger because it bothers us. But all we have are words to describe God. And these are the words we use because these are the words we relate to. But I would say a better way of describing it, instead of wrath and anger, is the weight of God's holiness. He removes the veil, and the holiness comes. And then then with the comparison between the two, this is, I would almost say at times God's judgment used to come on a place, but it didn't come with him throwing lightning bolts. He just revealed his holiness. This is who I am. And you, are, you know, you haven't repented and you're going against everything I am, but I'm showing you who I am. And they couldn't bear the weight of the kadosh of the holiness of God. Thank you, Lord. So, and we know this story, little turn here. God sends his son. And Jesus walks the roads of Galilee and Judea without sin. He never had to go saying unholy or unclean. Holy, 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 kadosh, kadosh, kadosh follows Jesus everywhere he goes through the streets of Israel. Heaven shouts it in everything Jesus does. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Even the Father's voice from heaven comes down and says, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, holy. And we know this story well. Jesus allows himself to be sacrificed on the cross for us. And that's when everything changes. The holiness of God doesn't change, but he changes us. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21... Thank you, Lord. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of what Jesus did for us, we are no longer unclean. We are no longer unholy. We are holy. And we'll unpack this a little Christ in us. You ever think Christ in us? You ever think of that word? Ruach HaKadosh, kadosh Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit as the Holy God can now come and live with us in our spirit because of what Jesus did, because he made us righteous and holy, uh, holy enough that we could bear the weight. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit in us. And now we even welcome him in his holiness, but we often need a a real vision of it now and then, just not to forget how holy he is. (laughs) But what does it mean for us and the people of Downpatrick here? Well, here are two shocking verses from Peter, and they explain it, First Peter. First Peter 1.15. <clears throat> but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And here Peter is talking about the purity of. And the character of God. This side of the holiness of God. Be holy in all you do. In your actions. Because I am holy. Now that would be awesome. On these streets. Be holy on the streets of Downpatrick Patrick. In the same way Jesus was holy on the streets of Galilee. Love like Jesus. Minister like Jesus speak like Jesus, holiness in action. Okay, so, so there he's talking about the character, the morality, moral holiness of God. But then we go on to 1 Peter 2.9 and it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And here people is talk, Peter is talking about our positional holiness. The first time he's talking about the character and purity of holiness of God now he's talking about the positional place you are a holy nation when God and basically this kind of holiness just means set apart god comes and if he sets something apart for himself it is holy and it's just for him not because of its character but because of its position God chose us, so we are holy. God chose Israel, they are holy. We are holy positionally. And this is why God will say things like, I am a jealous God to Israel. And the reason he's saying, I'm a jealous God is because you are set apart. You are holy. Positionally, you are holy. You are mine. You represent me, and I am not going to let anybody pluck you out of my hand, and no weapon formed against you is going to come against you and hurt you. I am in control of all of this. I am your king, and you are holy. I set you apart for myself. That's with every Christian. If somebody asks you, are you holy? Did you have that asked this month? They asked that at Antrim, only two people raised their hand. I think it's because they didn't understand. We are all holy. We are all set apart for God and his purpose. We are holy. Even like what he says to Moses at the burning bush, take off your shoes, Moses, because you're stepping on holy ground. Why is it holy? Because I claim this ground for myself. It's set apart for me. It is holy. That's positional holiness. You don't have to do anything. But then we have the other side of the coin. We are now called to live like holy people. We represent him in this world. Now positional holiness is instant. As soon as you come to Jesus. But... Character holiness or, or the moral holiness is an ongoing process. It's good to understand this. We are in the process of living up to who we are. And I would say, I, I've heard this story about some monasteries, and I wish I had more detail on it. But some monasteries, you know, you get new kids coming in, want, wanting to be part of the monastery, you know, young ones. And what they would do is is the old guys would give them a robe the same size as the one they were wearing. So these kids are there with these robes and the sleeves are down to here and they can't quite walk because the robes are so big. And they have to tie them up because they they haven't grown into the robe yet. But that's kind of like what holiness is like. It's like the position... You this is who you are. You are part of the community. We 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 you know you're like like everyone else. We have the same robe, the same size robe and everything. But it looks big on you, but you are gonna grow up into that robe, and th- then you'll be just like us. And it's like positional holiness, we got the robe. Be like Jesus. But boy, that robe is big. The train fills the temple, you know. And and what wh- what God is saying is. Now, grow up into it. And, and, and this is where we are at now by the renewing of our mind. This is a story of pretty much holiness in a nutshell. We are no longer unclean or unholy, but most people on our streets are. If God was to reveal His holiness here, there'd be a lot of crushed people up there. We can bear the weight. Because Jesus bore it for us, but they can't. And we are in the process of growth. We are growing in holiness. And the key to all the activity and that process is how am I growing? It's measured by how much and how good and the quality of your love. That is the key to it all. I am growing up into the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. It's a key to it all. And and the process is learning how to love. The process is how to walk in love, how to react in love, how to manifest the love of God on our streets and in our communities. Love the Lord Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the character of a holy God who is love. And this is where all the glory shines. In that glory, there is this love. That's why you see the radiance. It's love. It's love. It's love. The purity is love. It's love. It's love. And then when he comes down on a sinful, unloving people, the two don't go together well, unless Jesus comes. God is love. First John 4, 8, just about done here. Matthew 4, 5, 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect in love. Be holy because I am holy. That's in love. And basically, what it all comes down to is be awesome every day. <laughs> And you may, you may still laugh at that, but I find when you go out and you love and you listen to God and you obey what he tells you to do, you find miraculous things happening on the street and with people in restaurants and everything. And a lot of times I walk home and I just think, wow, Lord, that was awesome. And it's the idea, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to be awesome every day. And that will change the world and change our community out here. Let's pray. Let's pray. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Give us perspective, Lord. Grant us perspective and help us to walk in holiness every day. Never take your holiness for granted or the glory and the power of your Holy Spirit living in these mortal bodies, Lord God. And there are times times we wonder, are you really in there? And we just pray you awaken us and that your glory and your holiness will even shine forth from us that when we talk to somebody on the street, Lord, that they would be enveloped by your presence that you would teach us how to love. Help us to be awesome every day just like you are. In Jesus' name, amen.